Today on episode number 818 of the School of Podcasting, strap yourself in. We've got a lot of stuff coming at you. We're going to talk about collaboration between podcasters. I've got a resource for that. I've also got a resource to resize your artwork because Apple is causing issues with artwork. Also, we have a because of my podcast story. We're going to get our spy on. I'm going to show you how the sausage was made. And I did something for the first time and failed miserably. And I'm happy about it. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson. Thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, grow, and monetize your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription, and you can do that completely worry-free with our 30-day money-back guarantee. And I love to start off this show with the Because of My Podcast story, and in a couple weeks, I'm going to be in Los Angeles at Podcast Evolutions, and I'm going to get to see my old buddy, Paul Culligan, and as I was thinking about this episode, I said, you know... Paul had that one really cool because of my podcast story. And so I dug it out of the archives. Here is Paul Culligan from podcastpartnership.com and his because of my podcast story. Hey, Dave, a because of my podcast for the school of podcasting, long running client, high paying client, very profitable client for me and a client who gosh darn it encourages me to be a better podcaster and businessman. Guy's name is Joe Polish does the I Love Marketing show, does 10xtalk.com, does Genius Network, does a bunch of shows. Anyway, Joe's got a whole program called Artists for Addicts. It works with um, artists and addicts, and it brings the art world together with the addiction world to try to find some solutions. It's a very, very cool program. Long story short, Joe calls and says, hey, do you want to come to an Alice Cooper fundraiser? It'll be an Alice Cooper show. Sure, that sounds fun. That's unique. I get there. VIP event, VIP tickets, third row, feet on the round. Awesome. The photo I've sent you is a picture of me with Ace Freely from Kiss slash from Guns N' Roses. Edgar Winter, mo- known mostly for free ride, but a mainstay in the rock world. Uh, Rob Halliford, Judas Priest, um, Cheryl Cooper, Alice's wife, and of course, Alice Cooper. I got to meet them all. I got a signed Alice Cooper cane. I got to hang out backstage with these people. And I'll tell you, it was a lot more like that episode of Wayne's World than it was anything else. Um, This is above and beyond. Uh, My podcast got me Joe's client. Joe has been paying me for a long time uh, to help him out with these things. But this is what happens when you get into the inner circle. And because of the podcast, I got into the inner circle. And because of the podcast, there were even some interesting conversations backstage that one day I might be able to chat about later. But the fact of the matter is, good time, amazing time, free concert, got to meet these people, got a funny picture, got an Alice Cooper cane. Not bad. Not bad at all, Paul. Thank you so much for sending that in. And again, it's one of the things I always say, yeah, we talk about making money, but really, It's the relationships. You get to talk to people that you kind of have no business talking to. And uh, you can do that by starting your podcast. I was down in Nashville this week, speaking of kind of because of my podcast stories. And I ran into somebody two years ago that I first met her. And I was like, hey, jump in the pool. The water's warm. Come on, let's go. Because when it comes to podcasting, you're going to either end up with a really cool podcast 
or a really cool story about that time when you tried to start a podcast. It's a win-win situation. And she was kind of nervous, and I gave her a bunch of tips two years ago. And I saw her, and I was like, hey, it's great to see you. And I said, any because of my podcast stories. And it wasn't a matter of she had a story. It was so many stories that uh, I'm going to be bringing her on the show. And I'm super excited to be talking with Connie Albers. You can find her at ConnieAlbers.com. But I was in Nashville, and I wanted to share a quick tip especially if you have any kind of merchandise. Now, we've all learned from the King Mouse that is Disney that no matter what you're doing, if you have something that you are bringing people to, you make them exit through the gift shop. I've been to many amusement parks, Dollywood. I've been to Cedar Point in Ohio. I've been to Disney. They all make you exit through The gift shop, when I saw the band King's X in Cleveland, Ohio, that's kind of where I'm based out of in Ohio here. I'm actually in Akron, but I saw them, and that's the band that does the If You Like What You Hear, Go Tell Someone song at the end of the show. They put on this great show and said, hey, give us like 10 minutes to go towel off, and we will meet you at the merch show. And so I knew that. I knew that going in, and there was something different about this speaking gig in Nashville And that was, I actually had books to sell. So, you know, the old thing about, hey, books are available in the back of the room. And remember how we say when you try things the first time, right? That first episode that you record, you probably should delete. Because the first time you do something, you're probably not going to get it and nail it right out of the park. And so there it was. I remembered it. And I got up on stage and the, the talk went well. And before I even started, I said, hey, At the end of my presentation, I'll be signing books back at the table, and I'll be answering your questions. So I said that at the beginning, and I also said it at the end. That's good. I set the expectations of the audience. So I finish up my talk. I get a smattering of applause. I walk over to the sound guy. I hand him my microphone and we get me kind of unmiked and I turn around and there is a line. And this is where I'm in new territory. And so I fell into old habits and I started answering questions. Well, about 45 minutes later, I was done answering questions. And meanwhile, my books are way over on the other side of the stage. And so I didn't sell any books after the immediate end of my presentation, I had this idea of me sitting at a table, people coming up, I can answer questions as I'm, you know, signing a book or whatever. And that just did not happen. So as the last person was over and I was handing people business cards and I was explaining that, Hey, if you want to buy the book, we're over on the far wall over there, et cetera, et cetera. And I did have a few people stop by the next day. So it wasn't a complete waste, but I now realize that number one, I need to keep my books close and I kind of put them off the sides because I didn't want them like in any camera shots and things like that. And what I really need to do is bring somebody with me or find a friend or somebody like that, have them set up the books at the back, maybe even pay them like, hey, if you sell any books while I'm on stage, I'll give you, you know, X amount of money from the purchase, something of that nature. I should have done that. And then that way, when the presentation was over, I could have just walked right back to the table and had had there been a line, I could have just said, hey, it's great to meet you. Walk with me as I go back to the table. 
but I've never done that before. And so I say this to say, when you go to record your first episode or do really anything the first time, you know what? It's okay if you didn't do it exactly right. Because again, did I'm either going to get a ton of book sales or I'm going to get a fun story about that first time I tried to sell books after doing a presentation and went, oh man, it was horrible. I just fell back into my old habits and answered a bunch of questions because, well, that's what I love to do is help people. And by the time I got done, everybody left and nobody bought a book. Now, do I consider that a failure? Absolutely not. It was the first time I ever tried to sell things, something physical at the actual show where I was speaking. So I chalked this up to a learning experience, right? It was something that I planned and I was either going to end up with a lot of book sales or I was going to end up with a cool story about that time when I took my books to the NRB and couldn't get to the the table in the back to actually sell them. Now, of course, they're always available at ProfitFromYourPodcast.com slash book. You can actually still get one signed. And that leads me to the next thing I want to talk about. Hey, on April 5th, I am, speaking of books, co-hosting a webinar with Thomas Umstadt Jr. You've heard him on this show. He does the Novel Marketing Podcast. He is the guy that basically... After I got my book deal and got my first kind of royalty report went, yeah. And that's why I'm kind of partnering with this. That and I have, I think, four or five people in the School of Podcasting that are either thinking about launching a book or actually in the middle of writing a book. And so it's absolutely free to uh, attend. If you just go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch, that will take you right over there. And if you then want to actually take a course that is called the 28 days to a custom book launch plan, it goes over everything, how to conduct a media tour, how to level up your website, how to create your brand, how to grow and use an email list. And I'm just here to tell you, I've hung out with Thomas a couple of times and the man is just a walking Wikipedia of knowledge. And when you get into kind of his lane of book marketing, I don't know if there's anybody better. So When I saw some people in the school of podcasting kind of sniffing around books, and I'd like to know more. I mean, I've got one book out. I plan on writing more. And I was like, hmm, let's uh, let's do a webinar together. So check it out. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash book launch. Two episodes on schoolofpodcasting.com slash 816. I asked you, what are you doing to grow your audience and is it working? And many of you mentioned some sort of a collaboration, promo swap, interview swap, things like that. And I wanted to talk a little bit about that because people are like, how do I do that? And it really starts with, number one, you have to find somebody who either shares an audience with you. So let's say your audience is primarily female in their 40s, and so is your show. Or you talk about the same subject. So you talk about fitness in your 50s, And so does this other show, you might be a good fit to collaborate. And I've had people say like, how do I do this again? First things first, and this was anything in podcasting. If you're trying to get somebody as a guest or things like that, do your homework. And then this part is actually fairly easy. Tie your show 
to their show in a kind of duh kind of way. Like they're like, wow, this is like peanut butter and jelly. This fits together so well. It's a no brainer. I get so many pitches and they're just like, hey, look at this person. They cured cancer, invented sliced bread, blah, blah, blah. The best thing ever. Look at them. They're great. And they never explain how they tie into a show about podcasting. And I look at it and go, uh, uh, mm, uh, and that's about as far as I get. And then I hit delete. But if you make it super simple, hey, I see you talk about peanut butter. I talk about jelly. Maybe we should put these together, kids. Hey, all right. So do your homework is really what it amounts to. But nobody wants to do their homework. They just want to create a form letter and send it out to everybody. And, well, that doesn't typically work. We're talking about personal and relevance. So, hey, Dave, I see where you talk about such and such on your show number 818. And I've done other things about blah, blah, blah. Do you think, would you be open to a collaboration? That's always something you might want to ask. I love when people ask me to be a guest on a show that doesn't have guests. That always shows that they've done a lot of homework. Yeah. So that's really it. And this is how things spread, right? Word of mouth. I do a show every Saturday called Ask the Podcast Coach with Jim Cullison from TheAverageGuy.tv. If you're looking for free podcast consulting, you just got to get up at 1030 in the morning, Eastern Standard Time, and come ask your questions, and I will gladly answer those. And Dan from BasedOnATrueStoryPodcast.com said, hey, I've been playing with Audrey.io. Now, as I look at my software, we're closing in on 15 minutes here. And which means that we've probably had two, maybe three websites that explain how they're the best place to connect podcasters with guests and guests with podcasters and yada. I mean, literally these things are coming out of the woodwork. And the only one I really get any traction from is podcast that's singular guests that's plural. So podcast guest.com. I get a fair number of people wanting me to have uh, to interview me on their show, but this one is more geared towards collaboration. Then these are the kind of things that Scott Johnson does on what was that like? You hear me talk about Scott a lot because, well, the guy's kind of crushing it and he realizes that his show is about weird people in really weird circumstances. And for whatever reason, it's primarily kind of a, uh, an audience that also enjoys true crime because they're both based on true stories One, somebody dies, and the other one, somebody kind of almost died, except they lost a leg or put their arm in a chipper or whatever the (laughs) deal is. And uh, so Scott will do swaps with people that have a similar audience. And so when I went over and started playing with Audrey.io, I was like, this does seem a little different. It's definitely still a place where you can go over and find guests and find podcasts, but it's also kind of more, a little more geared towards collaboration. And I went over and contacted Nicholas Hildebrand and said, would you like to come on the show? He's one of the co-founders and talk about Audrey.io. The founders started off by making software for Instagram influencers, which later turned into kind of an agency. And then that later kind of spawned some software to make it easier for influencers and social media people to work with brands. And then one of their advertisers, one of their clients said, Hey, 
you guys should look into podcasting. It pretty quickly led us to the realization that podcasters themselves had it pretty tough. So compared to Instagram influencers, they have the entire infrastructure and everything is basically already configured for them. Podcasters didn't have anything that really supported them. They didn't have the the, the baseline, the foundation, the one platform that manages all for them. So we figured, why not actually switch sides and instead of helping advertisers spend more money, help podcasters get to a level where they can earn money and kind of sustain themselves. And that's a little bit how we then came to the Audrey of connecting people, helping them grow. Yeah, so is that the primary, because I know there's a lot of things you can do with it. Is that the primary function is just to help, you know, if I'm doing, I don't know, a cooking show, this is a way for me to go in and see, are there any other cooking shows that I might be able to collaborate with? Is that is the is that the primary goal of Audrey? Because I know there are a lot of different things you can do with it. That's how it started out, yes. At the beginning, it was, under, we were under the assumption that one of the toughest things as a podcaster is to reach an audience. And one of the best ways is not spend money on Facebook or Google, but to actually collaborate with other podcasters. The same way content creators on YouTube collaborate in different videos and so on. So this is how we start and say, okay, how about we try and create some kind of channel or platform that helps podcasters have a small audience, reach a bigger audience, and actually discover potential partners to grow with. So that both sides can grow and everyone benefits. But over the last two years now, almost two years, we launched in March. Um, we've been trying to add different mechanics, helping podcasters find guests, having podcasters be a guest on a different show. And now with the newest edition, we're trying to help podcasts actually have a first scalable paid marketing channel that is still based on podcast to podcast collaboration, but it's a bit more flexible when it comes to how people collaborate. Yeah, I saw where you can actually approach if you want to advertise my show on somebody else's show, I can actually look for them and I still might want to collaborate with them. But if I want, I can say, hey, can I buy an advertising spot on your show? So I saw that's another feature that you've added. Do you have any kind of like the poster child for Audrey.io that's had success or any other shows that have been like, oh, this this happened because I was using Audrey? I mean, we have a few situations where I'm not necessarily right now know all the names from the top of my head, but sure. I know one guy, the German guy, who built a startup radio. It's a just a regular radio stream that is in English language and he streams it all over the world. And he used a lot of podcasters from Audrey to actually get the high quality content to run the radio network. And he said it was really tough before to find the right content. And that basically enabled him to run his radio station. Or we have another podcaster from the UK that had trouble finding a wider audience. And actually by working with different news outlets and other creators in the space, we managed to get him in front of a wider audience, even got him a speaking slot at a conference for creators. So there's a lot of these things that we do, but we don't only focus necessarily on the growth number specifically, but just kind of empower podcasters to do stuff they weren't able before. If you go to our main website, we even have a story section. And there we have a few podcasts that we wrote about and how they use Audrey and how they've had success to kind of show off what people do. And they do all kinds of stuff, sometimes even without us knowing uh, and sometimes very surprising or some stuff that we didn't expect. And I know right now when you go over and so you can sign up for free, which is great, but free is not always the best business model in the world. So how are you guys going to stay in business if you don't charge? Because I know it's bandwidth is cheap and blah, blah, blah. But like, in the long run, how do you guys plan to sustain your your growth? Yeah, it's kind of funny that you say that because this is a question that we've gotten a lot of the last two years. 
we have venture capital financing. We have a few investors on board that allowed us to kind of keep building and keep uh, enhancing the platform over the last two years without having to aggressively focus on revenues, which was really important to us. Because the number one way to get revenue right now is to sell advertising, to help brands run ads, which is something that we didn't feel aligned, was very aligned with our goal of helping podcasters first. But now with the whole paid promotion section, there is now uh, the ability for us to also take a small cut off for certain transactions. Right now we ran it, and the, the prototype is just no fees, everyone gets what the other person pays. But if we can make this a stable and a scaling channel for podcasters involved, that's a way where we can basically take a small cut for any transaction that's happening. And then basically securing the whole process, making sure everyone gets paid, nobody pays for stuff that they don't get, and basically take a small fee. Um, other features that we have planned are some kinds of premium features where we would ask for monthly subscriptions for enhanced features. But we still very much want to keep it the way where if you want to use it for free, you can always use it for free. You don't have a spend single cent. But if you want to go a bit more, let's say, sophisticated professional about your podcast, then you can want to have these extra features and you want to have this extra way of growth through payment, for example, then this is where we start charging. Well, you mentioned you're you're working on some some features in the future. Is there anything you can can share that's coming down the pike? Yeah, I mean, one thing that we really want to do, which is also very ambitious and complex, is better analytics for podcasters that go beyond what people get from their hosting provider. So no one benefits from just us giving the same metrics that you get with the bus product, for example. They're, they're, they are your hosting provider. They're probably better, better data quality, more ways of analyzing it. And for us, it's really interesting to create some kind of analytics that tell you how well collaborations work, how well paid promotions work. So basically creating a connection between the data of two podcasters for them to better understand if they migrate, if collaboration even makes sense. So it's all about collaboration analytics rather than just basic listener analytics, which is a, a challenge because we don't host. <laughs> Every right. podcast creator can come to us, but there's different ways that can still be achieved and ways of working on it. And this is something, since it's so complex, that will most likely be part of like a premium feature. And then beyond that, something that's also interesting for us is to understand is there any way to also measure your word of mouth in a more effective way? You probably have some of your listeners that just keep recommending you to everyone they, they meet. And it would be kind of interesting to also get some visibility on your, your big fans and what they are doing. So there's a lot of things that can be done that are, I think, pretty underdeveloped right now. Well, you said you've been around since March 2020. How many people are currently using the platform? Yeah, so in total, we had around 16,500 signups from podcasts since then. It always is a bit of fluctuation when they join. At the very beginning, we actually had a super high interest. Now, recently, again, with the paid promotion feature, um, and out of the 16,500, realistically, not all of them use it every month because Audrey is not necessarily even a platform that you need to use every month or every week or every day. But overall, we have some very loyal podcasters even that... Even before we launched the platform and sent out the first emails to uh, gauge interest for, in 2019 that are still using the platform, are still active today and find all their collaboration partners uh, on Audrey. Well, the, the good thing about that is you, it, it's great to have, you know, subscribers, but you really want people that are active in there. And I know I've gone in and, and sent some messages and actually got some people to email me back and things like that. So that's the the key ingredient. It's It's great to have those users, but you also want them to be active. So 
Very cool. Yeah. So, so you have 16,000 people on your platform right now. And in the same way that there are, depending on what website you go to, there are like 4 million podcasts, but really it's about 750,000 that are actually active. How many of those subscribers are actually like using the system? Yeah. So out of the 69,000 that signed up since the very beginning, there's definitely a few thousand that even stopped podcasting all, like entirely yeah. since the beginning. So there's always these kind of people that we try to filter out as soon as we see that their feed is no longer active. And then depending on the month, January was a very good month because yeah. New Year, New Year's resolutions, people really want to work hard on their podcasts more in the, in the few thousand. So it's not, we never hit the, the five digits. So we never had like a thousand monthlies. But what we look at mostly is actually cohorts. So even like a lot of Audrey's built in a way where it kind of hate, let's say hurts our monthly active user numbers, but it's also not a number we track too closely. And the reason for that is that we have so many different use cases of why people use Audrey that some of them don't require you to be active that often. So I've read about one podcast I wrote in a forum that he loves Audrey. Within a month, he filled his interview slots for his entire interview series for the next six to nine months. So this person was very happy for a month and then didn't need us for six. <laughs> so this is a, it's great. We helped this person a lot. He told everyone to use us to uh, check it out, but he's not a person that will show up every month. So we really work more on the general number of collaborations that are happening on response rates. We email everyone when they get a new collaboration. So you don't even have to go come back to Audrey to figure out if you got a response. Really make it value focused rather than just, let's say, monthly active focused. In just a quick second, you'll learn how to set up your account at Audrey.io and how to buy and sell ads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody wants to sign up, what is the process? Obviously, you have to put in an email address, but what else do you have to do to you know, actually get into the system. The one thing that you need to know is your Apple podcast uh, URL. When you sign up, you have to paste that in together with an email address that will be your login email address. And the reason why we require the Apple podcast link is a, almost everyone that has a podcast has one since it's a big chunk of the distribution. And B is we need that feed to figure out what the email in your RSS feed is to verify that you actually own the podcast. So as long as you have access to that email, you're fine. You sign up, you get a verification email, you click verify, uh, you go through a short onboarding process, and then you're ready to use the platform. Nice. And I see where you have even a, you've built in a community in uh, Discord that if you want to join over there, there's people hanging out over there. So that's, as I kind of went through it, it was just like, I walked into this big auditorium with some really cool features. And then I'd go down a hallway and like, Oh wait, you got, they have a community. Oh wait, we can, we can sell ads and we can do this and that. So it's interesting to kind of watch it expand as you, uh, as you go in there. Let's say I buy an ad spot on your show. How's that whole transaction handled? Yeah. So the way it works right now is that as an interested buyer, you're going on the section on Audrey with all the promos, you select the podcast that you like and you send a request and the request has to include your trailer. You upload the MP3 file. And it has to be non-explicit and less than 60 seconds, ideally, and you submit it. Then it's up for, to the actual seller to accept or deny the request. We don't want to force anyone to do anything, obviously. Um, if that is accepted, then the money is deposited with us um, and is 
stays with us until the collaboration is confirmed and approved. And right now the process works that as a, as a seller, I send a link and the timestamp to Audrey and we verify it separately with the buying podcaster, whether that is actually the integration they had asked for. And if it is, then we unlock the payment. Nice. That way there's, there's no arguing over, you didn't do it. It's not, it's, it's handled that way. So that's very cool. Yeah. And that way both sides also can be sure it's going to be safe. Because if you want to scam someone as a seller, you cannot just take the money and run. So if you want to get the money, you know you have to do what you said you'd do. Nice. And as a buyer, you cannot just waste people's time because you've already deposited the money with us and you can just withdraw. So that's and where we see ourselves as a bit of a safety in the middle where both sides can be sure they're getting what they're expecting. If you want to check it out again, it's Audrey. It's A-U-D-R-Y dot I-O. And uh, Nicholas, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was a a blast. Ooh, now that's a good question. The question of the month, and I need your answer by March 25th, 2022. The question, when your podcast isn't growing, what do you do to keep yourself going? Do you ever think of quitting? And of course, when you answer that, don't forget to tell us a little bit about your show and your website address. You can answer it by going to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. And people often ask me, who are those ladies singing at the beginning of the show? I got those singers from Music Radio Creative, and they are the same people that did this promo for my buddy Shane Whaley over at Spybrary. Do you love spy books, movies, and TV? Then the Spybrary podcast is for you. Since 2017, host Shane Whaley and Spybrary field agents around the world dispatch reviews and interviews with authors, historians, and fellow spy fans. We discuss everything from John le Carre, Len Dayton, Paul Vidich, Graham Greene, Mick Heron, Charles Cumming, Ben McIntyre, and many more. Spybrary is available on all good podcast apps and at spybrary.com. There you go. Spybrary.com. Hey, I'm going to be at Podcast Movement Evolutions. That's March 23rd through 26th, 2022. These are all 2022. That's in Los Angeles. I'll be working the Libsyn booth. On April 21st, I'll be at an online event at the Utah Podcast Coalition. I will be speaking there. And then May 26th through the 29th, I will be in Orlando, Florida, at PodFest Multimedia Expo, work in the Libsyn booth, and speaking as well. For all the stats nerds, the other thing I was playing with in Nashville is a QR code. Now, this is nothing new. There are a bazillion different services that do this. I'm using a thing called Link. I'll have a link in the show notes out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 818. And I had about 40 people in my room when I was speaking And I had eight people go to that website and I can see where actually one person clicked on something. So the eight people using a QR code means that 20% of the room actually used a QR code. So I think that's going to be something I'm doing in the past. I would have, I had one of those like text SOP to blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden that got real expensive. And I think more people, thanks to our good friend COVID-19, now know how to use a QR code. And the average age at this particular NRB event 
was maybe slightly older than some other events. Not old by any means, but there were definitely some. Uh, I was not the only person in the room with gray hair. And let's go that route. And so I know as podcasters that are constantly looking to market their podcast and get a bigger audience, QR codes might be a cool way. I'm thinking of getting a sticker of a QR code and sticking it on the back of my car. I always tell people nobody cares how the sausage is made unless you're doing a podcast about podcasting. So here is a clip of me that I edited because I just can't spit out the question and I am going to add some dings at the part where I actually ask the question and fix it. So here is me messing up and trying to spit out a question. Have there been any, I realize it's only two years, so it's early, but have you, do you have any kind of like the poster child for Audrey.io that's had success or any other shows that have been like, oh, this, this happened because I was using Audrey? So when I remove all the background and me kind of explaining why I'm asking the question, you end up with a nice, clear question setting up the answer. Do you have any kind of like the poster child for Audrey.io that's had success or this happened because I was using Audrey? So when I edit my podcast, half the time what I'm editing out is not the guest. It's me giving a bunch of background to the question so they understand why I'm asking and so that they can shape their answer But in the end, I take a lot of me out of my interviews. As someone who works in tech support for Libsyn, that's short for Liberated Syndication, I see a lot of uh, things that, well, you don't. And I can tell you definitely that Apple keeps having an on and off again issue with artwork. Now, I think we all know that your artwork for your podcast needs to be the smallest it can be is 1,400 by 1,400 pixels, up to 3,000 by 3,000 pixels. But what most people don't know, and it's kind of frustrating that Apple won't put this out publicly, is the file size. The actual size of the file should be 500 kilobytes or less. And when it's not, it causes issues with updating. Now, I know what you're thinking, because when I first started working for Lips and I was like, wait, how is that even connected? And I'm just here to tell you, that I see people, they're like, hey, my episode's not appearing in Apple. We fixed their artwork, and it shows up. And for the record, it's not really a problem with Apple until it's been more than 24 hours. When you're using Lipson or whoever your media host is, and it says it's published, what it really should say is it's available to be found. It's in public. In other words, I always kind of use the analogy of you walking to the bus stop. When you're at the bus stop, yep, you're published, you're out, you're out of the house, and you're there to be picked up. But until you get on the bus, right, until Apple comes around, they're not going to see your episode. So I want to give you a resource, and that is squoosh.app. It's S-Q-U-O-O-S-H dot app. This is a free tool from our good friends at Google, and it's really easy to upload an image, upload an image. Uh, If you need to resize it, you can, but there's a little slider at the bottom that allows you to compress it until it gets under 500 kilobytes, and then you can download your file. So that's another resource in addition to Audrey.io. And of course, I'll have links to all this out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 818, along with a link to a website I have, podcastingresources.com. That is another website I have with a ton of resources for podcasters. In the future, I'm going to do an episode 
on working with an editor. Because one of the things I saw in Nashville is, and I'm not, I don't mean you when I say this, but there are some, I don't even want to say editors, producers, anybody that is helping you with your podcast, there are some, and I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but people are shooting you in the foot because you don't know what you don't know. So I'm going to tell you what you need to know so that if you want to go work with a team, you can. I have a team right now. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash edit, that's my editing team. But there are people that are doing things and all of a sudden you go, oh, wait, I needed to what? Yeah, exactly. You didn't know what you didn't know. So we're going to talk about that because I just saw it over and over and over where people would go, oh, well, either A, I had some guy. So don't have some guy do it. I also heard people say, yeah, we had somebody who does podcasting professionally do it, and they were doing it in a way that was not beneficial to the customer. So we're going to talk about that in the future. I've got some great interviews lined up. Interviews have been kind of landing my lap that really fit well, so I'm really happy to do those as well. And as always, I'm happy to talk about whatever you would want me to talk about. Feel free to contact me at schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. In fact, everything you need is out there at schoolofpodcasting.com. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. I am co-hosting a webinar on April 5th again at 5 p.m. called Butch La- Butch. Yeah, good old Butch. We're going to launch Butch way out there. Butch, get out there. There he goes. God love you, Butch. Today on episode number 818 of the School of Podcasting, it's packed full, packed full, packed full, packed, pull, chock full. It's chock full and packed. So you end up with packed full.